Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We'll be jumping into an important discussion about the Utah Public Lands Initiative very shortly. I wanted to just wrap up yesterday's program. We had a, a comment come in I wanted to get uh, to you. Uh, you'll recall we talked uh, with various guests about uh, Representative Brian King's uh, bill, House Bill 246, which would allow for comprehensive sex education in Utah's schools. And uh, during the program, uh, we had a call from Sherry in St. George, who said that she has encountered some LDS kids in her area that uh, she says uh, thinks it's not sex and, unless there's penetration. She points out you can get STDs from all sexual activity. And uh, so with that as background, we got uh, this email from Brett. He said, just wanted to make sure uh, somewhere it was stated that uh, in absolutely no way does the LDS Church teach that anything but penetration is okay. I feel that the listener's comment from today's show uh, concerning this idea could have been very misleading to others listening. The doctrine is, according to Brett, that you should never touch the private parts of another person before you are married, and on top of this, that sexual touching between a married couple should be consensual. There are a multitude of statements, talks, and videos regarding this subject found at lds.org. Thanks. And he signs it to Brett. So uh, thanks for that, Brett. I did uh, uh, endeavor to make the LDS Church's position clear, but uh, appreciate that follow-up from you. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Um, In what they characterized as a sweeping gesture of compromise, Representatives Rob Bishop and Jason Chaffetz unveiled their plan to resolve decades of deadlock over how eastern Utah's public lands are managed, even as environmental and tribal groups declared the proposal dead on arrival and a shameless giveaway to oil and gas interests. The bill would set aside special landscapes like Cedar Mesa, San Rafael Swell, Labyrinth Canyon, while expediting mineral development in areas deemed less worthy of protection. That's according to a recent article from the Salt Lake Tribune. Today on the program, we're going to explore the Utah Public Lands Initiative. It's three years in the development and is, according to the offices of Representatives Bishop and Chaffetz, rooted in the belief that conservation and economic development can coexist and make Utah a better place to live, work, and visit. Some environmental groups are skeptical. We're going to be talking later in the program with Representatives Bishop and Chaffetz. We'll also be talking with uh, David Garbett with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, and we'll be talking with several representatives from the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition. We hope to hear from you as well. We already have uh, four or five emails uh, um, before the program even began. Uh, we'd love to have you get your viewpoint in, your question, and you can do that at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. We bring in right now John Kovash, UPR's uh, Moab correspondent, who's been doing some uh, extensive reporting on this issue. John, uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Good morning, Tom. Appreciate you uh, being with us. This is a hot topic. I'm uh, guessing you've been hearing a lot about it in the Moab area. I wonder, just we're going to go to Representative Bishop here pretty soon. This can get pretty confusing. Maybe if you could uh, set out for us in in brief terms what the PLI would do. Well, for starters, uh, uh, it's important to to understand for a lot of people in Utah that this is all basically on the eastern side of Utah, Utah. Uh, it was uh, seven counties chose to buy in to to this process, and they're all on the east side, uh, ranging uh, from uh, way at the north, from Daggett clear down to San Juan, where the, all the action is is moving to. Uh, and 
So anyway, you know, it's been reported uh, what a bad reception uh, the, this first draft has gotten uh, from uh, environmental groups in the, in the tribes. But this was proposed three years ago primarily with the idea that we must have more certainty about uh, use of these public lands uh, and the assumption that everybody wanted uh, certainty sooner rather than later about whether a given piece of land is wilderness or or oil rigs and uh, this uh, the green the uh, environmental groups have uh, until now gone along with this and now they're along with the tribes are running pretty much running away from it and uh, and and uh, regrouping behind the uh, the Bears Ears proposal, which we'll get a lot more into. But they did, you know, the, the canyon lands, Greater Canyon lands, was the big issue, uh, uh, and then that faded away as the uh, as uh, uh, Sua has explained that they didn't want to be dealing with two competing proposals in Bears Ears. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, over, it overlaps a lot of what Greater Canyonlands would have been, and uh, it's, uh, the tribes have a lot of clout and uh, are attra- attracting new areas of support, uh, making them a formidable force in this whole in this whole thing. And you're seeing a, a historically new coalition between the environmentalists and the tribes, who have been very active. Uh, Going back to you know about six years as far as leading up to this Bears Ears proposal, the uh, the uh, PLI draft uh, proposed uh, for more than four million acres of new wilderness and NCA uh, uh, national conservation areas, new wild and scenic rivers, and and some other things. Uh, the, the 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 substantial reaction from the green side was it just had too many loopholes. That ends up up expanding motorized use, grazing, oil and gas, uh, and uh, uh, hard release of wilderness study areas. Uh, uh, just uh, uh, locks in uh, roads uh, and uh, uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of things that were just deal breakers. Not to mention, all along it's had the it's had the clause that. Uh, uh, that uh, the Antiquities Act shall not uh, shall not be uh, uh, exercised in Utah. So uh, uh, that's that's kind of where we've gotten to the uh, you know when you you'll hear a lot more about the Bears Ears proposal, which is uh, when they uh, speak a very unique concept of. Uh, Co-management of of uh, p- public lands uh, by uh, the tribes and the federal agencies would co-manage it. Uh, they talk about how they would, uh, uh, in addition to Western science, they would uh, inject what they call what they're calling traditional knowledge uh, into the management uh, of an area that uh, has been called the what they're calling the most ecologically intact region in the lower 48 states. Uh, it's a pretty uh, special John, area. Uh, John, sorry, uh, uh, appreciate your explanation. We do have Representative Bishop on the line. Wanted to get to him uh, as, quick, as quick as we could here. Uh, Representative Rob Bishop uh, is uh, joining us. Uh, Representative, uh, thank you for taking the time. Appreciate you joining us. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, so this is a, at least a three-year process. This is a you're calling this a, a, a draft 
of uh, the of the public lands initiative. Um, uh, so I guess the, the first question is, uh, how do you characterize the public lands initiative in terms of the whole, you know, the whole sweep of this debate that's been going on for for decades? You, your hope is that this would this would conclude uh, that debate, at least for those counties. Well, yeah, it has to move forward in some particular way to provide uh, some kind of certainty, some certainty of where people will be able to recreate in the future, some certainty of what is or is not going to be conserved, and also some certainty where there can be economic development so that uh, counties will know how to zone, businesses will know where they can invest, and that will be the continuation of where the jobs will come in the future. And plus, if I think we've tried to throw in here um, some solution to long, long-standing problem areas, as well as some innovative approaches that will give us some uh, some ways of doing things differently in the future. Um, and and as I said in here, um, everyone gets something. I I think in which they can be very proud and happy. They've won something. Everyone will complain about something. Um, but if if I have to try and solve the rancorous problems of the past based on the precedents of the past, it's never going to happen. We've got to think differently. We've got to break some barriers and come up with some kind of compromises. I think we've we've attempted to do that. Do you uh, do you feel like this is a that you've hit the sweet spot? Do you feel like you know maybe nobody's going to get all they want? But do you feel like you've hit a good compromise here? Well, yeah. I mean, it it is not to say perfect is in the eye of the beholder. So it may not be what I actually wanted when we started this process, but I think. In the scope of things, everyone wins something out of this process, and uh, this this would help bring finality. Now, I, I have to admit, there's some groups that I don't think want finality out there. Um, but if if you actually want to solve the problem and move forward, you got to make some some of these decisions. And I think we did that. I want to give our listeners a chance to interact with Representative Bishop. Uh, first up is Tom in Vernal, who has called us. By the way, you can call at 1-800-826-1495 on this important issue. We're devoting the entire hour, perhaps uh, over the top of the hour as well, to this. Uh, Tom in Vernal, go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, uh, thank you. I, I hear people say that we're going to do a better job of managing this land than the Forest Service or the Park Service, the BLM. And to me, manage means that you respond to changing conditions. Well, in every one of the public lands initiatives, new designations, the special landscapes, the 4 million acres that were formerly referred to, wilderness, national conservation area, special management area, the level of grazing is locked in at the current level, and it would literally take an act of Congress to revisit the grazing level. That's one-fourth of all the public lands in, in the seven eastern counties that you're giving unchangeable grazing levels. So I would like to hear someone explain to me why that is enlightened scientific management. That kind of certainty is not scientific. Uh, thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, Congressman, what, how do you respond to that? Well, uh, actually, <laughs> the problem is that we're developing here is there has to be some kind of ability to make sure that there will be a, a marketable commodity in the future. So when we're saying... of what circumstances may, may happen in the future, is that you're not going to be arbitrarily lowering that number without having at least some, some proof that there is a valuable reason for doing that. And the simple problem we have right now is that there's too many areas 
where the AUMs or other grazing rights have been taken away and they've been done pretty arbitrarily and pretty capriciously without that force that has to be there. Like it, and, and it deals with some of the other areas we're talking about here. When we have management plans that we come up with, we're trying to make sure that these management plans are viable. So if there's an advisory board, the advisory board can only after advice. But what we're insisting is that the land managing agencies, if they're not going to take that advice, they have to come back to Congress and explain why that takes place. The same way with the grazing, pro- uh, grazing uh, provisions we put in there. If they're going to be changed, there has to be some logical reason why it cannot be done capriciously or arbitrarily. It doesn't say it will always be that way, but it says there has to be a standard and a process you go through. That's what we're trying to do and trying to accomplish. It hasn't happened in the past. We want it going forward. Here's a question or two by email. You can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We have right now on with us uh, Representative Rob Bishop. Um, and we're talking about the Public Lands Initiative. Uh, this is from Chris. Um, he says, Representative Bishop speaks of a place where economic development, uh, he says parenthetically gas and oil drilling, question mark, and conservation can coexist. Uh, can our representatives provide us with an example of such coexistence in Utah? The entire state. Like multiple use is the norm that should be there. And all we're trying to do is give some definitive boundaries of where that can be so that you can have the primary purpose of area being conservation or the primary purpose of those areas being um, being development of economic development, which is not just drilling, it's every kind of economic development, including recreation. So we're dividing those areas up there so you can have a primary purpose in each of those areas. And that's what should have been done a long time ago. It would solve a lot of problems. Multiple use is a great vehicle for any politician because you can promise everybody everything. But at some time, you've got to have a certain statement that there has to be even if you're going to have multiple use, you have to have some primary purpose for it, and that's exactly what we're attempting to do here. It's, it's just a logical way of dividing up the lines, and there have to be some boundaries. So that's, that's what everyone kept talking about. That's what everyone said they want. I'm, I'm amazed that people are now saying, well, why are you doing that? That is only the logical way of trying to solve these problems going in the future, saying, in which areas will this be the primary purpose? Uh, uh, Congressman, I have with me uh, our uh, Moab correspondent, uh, John Kovas. John, I, I wonder if you have a question for the Congressman. Well, uh, one question uh, that was, uh, you know, the tribes have complained that the, this process has been too focused on the county commissioners and in, in looking at, at each county individually, and there was a, a recent Salt Lake Tribune editorial that endorsed that idea that that was kind of one of the one of the problems with with the process and in then you have recent the recent news that uh there was a Colorado college poll that two out of three people in Utah support the bears ears uh despite the fact that they were quite frozen out of the process in San Juan County uh and so it is has this become out of step with public opinion i guess was the question no, every group thinks that the other groups have had too much influence in it, and the, the answer is no, it's been kind of a balanced effort everywhere else. And when we were doing with, I do admit we have given preference to those who are in Utah, who live here, who want to have some kind of say in that, uh, especially when some of the coalitions and some of the groups really who are giving the greatest amount of complaints do not have any residents in the state of Utah. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But 
there also has to be an element of practicality in here. Some of the proposals that groups outside of the state of Utah have insisted that we implement and, and, and superimpose on Utah simply are impractical and cannot be done. So we're trying to look at those things in a balanced approach. So when we came with the Bears here uh, proposal, for example, uh, we took the input that came from the Native Americans who actually live in Utah, those who have elected positions who live in Utah, the chapters in Utah, and we started to look at how best we could deal with their Native customs and what they and the purposes for which they want to have some kind of say in the land. We also came up with a way of actually giving them input in the future that is legal. Some of the provisions that other groups from outside wanted to give us a land management proposal that is totally irrational and would probably be unconstitutional. Uh, Congressman, uh, here's an email from Robert. I believe he's directing this uh, to you. He says, how can converse conservationists take the PLI seriously as a good-faith balanced effort when you have stated that your short-term strategy is to pass PLI to codify grazing rights and open up energy development to rural counties? Then he, um, he puts a little doubt in my mind. opening up anything that isn't already there. Okay. What we're trying to do is come up with what is the logical use of the land as it exists right now. So, I, you know, it's not like we're expanding great vistas of wildebeest coming in here from uh, from uh, other areas this is looking at the reality that we have right now and saying what is the best use for this land like of the six million acres that was there putting four in a conservation area putting one in development i think that's a pretty good ratio if you concern if you are concerned about conservation uh, Robert does. He cites Senator Lee's video conference in southeastern Utah County, so I, I don't know whether he was... Uh, but anyway, you've answered the question. Um, uh, John, I don't know if you have another question for the congressman. Uh, on the, uh, you know, the issue of uh, certainty, which has been uh, at the heart of, of the rationale for this uh, for some time now, uh, in the economic uh, diversity issues and the multiple use issues, uh, it, it seems like uh, you know, I mean, one critique has been these are all boom and bust, you know, areas of the economy, and and right now we're in full mode bust with tar sands, oil and gas, uranium mining. It's all a bust, and uh, whatever jobs uh, were generated are rapidly vanishing. Uh, not to mention the issue of how many of those jobs really go to to locals, but you know, it seems like. The economic rationale is kind of weak right now for there being a dire need for, for the certainty. Um, was that a question? Yeah, uh, I mean. Well, okay, then let's do, do you think this way. I mean, how, how do you the ability? There will never be the ability to actually have jobs economic investment unless there is some understanding of where that investment will be profitable. And if everything is always a question mark, and if everything is always an, an if, what happens if, or if, or if there's some uh, group in Washington that has ability to make arbitrary changes in that, then there will never be the ability of actually coming up with something that is sustainable and long-term. And that's why pri having prioritization here so, so companies will know where they can invest. But it's not just the companies that know where they can invest. It's so where recreators know where they can go. We have had the experience of too often of having recreation opportunities that are arbitrarily taken away. That's why we're guaranteeing recreation opportunities, not just allowing it. We're guaranteeing that there will be the ability of having different kinds of, of economic adventures, whether it's mining or oil and gas or grazing or anything else or recreational jobs. 
tourism jobs. We're guaranteeing that those will have a place there. And that's where the guarantee becomes important. If you can't guarantee that, you can't guarantee anything. And that, that stagnates the opportunity of actually having any long-term or serious investment coming from the private sector. And, and that's why that's so important for people who live out there. There has to be, that's the certainty we're talking about. And not just in oil and gas, but we're talking about in every kind of economic adventure, including tourism and including recreation. Representative Bishop, I know we'd probably have to let you go here pretty soon. Um, I'm wondering about uh, a, a comparison, your PLI versus a, what uh, some tribal leaders and some conservation groups are calling for, calling on President Obama to create a Bears Ears National Monument. And so a, a comparison there, I'd, I assume you, you feel the PLI is, is superior. Of course it's superior. First of all, the genesis of our idea came from those people who are living in Utah. It's what they ask. Conservation gives much more flexibility for maintaining the kind of cultural traditions and traditional activities that they want to maintain on that particular piece of land. A monument status superimposes something that, that guarantees conflict in the future, as we have had in past. Our efforts have come with public input. I'm sorry, the monument, if a monument is going to be designated by the president by law, he cannot have any kind of input. As soon as he does input, then it triggers an EPA process. So it's got to be something you superimpose on everybody else. Some of the proposals I've heard from groups who are outside of Utah, quite frankly, their management proposals simply are not workable. It could not be done in statute form. It may sound wonderful, but it violates constitutional provisions that we have. As, as well as just the logic. You, you cannot have a shared management if somebody else has the jurisdiction of it. And we've tried to, to solve all those problems in the way we create a management board that would give recommendations, and we would insist that those recommendations, if not followed, and there's a good reason for it, they have to come back to Congress and tell us why they were not followed. There's, so there is some kind of accountability and some kind of flexibility that you have in this process. So what we have done is far superior to any other proposal I've heard from groups that are outside the Utah that want a monument superimposed. The conservation is what the, the Native Americans who actually live in that area originally proposed to us. It's how we have been working it through. It is the kind that they already have told us they, they prefer it over a monument designation. There are groups outside of Utah that are proposing the monument process, and what they're proposing flat out won't work. Representative Bishop, finally, um, I believe you have a, a process, venue, where people can comment. So how do people comment on the PLI? Yes, it is uh, utahpli.com. There's a provision that anyone can have those type of inputs in there. Uh, like I said, this is it's called a discussion draft, which means that we still have areas in which we can tweak that. Um, and and there, are some, there are some things that already people have pointed out to us that we inadvertently simply... Uh, did not include in there that needs to be included. So, yeah, that would be a public process to do, to, uh, to make some kind of comments. But I'm going to ask the comments to be as specific as possible. Uh, we've, we've had three years of discussing, discussing things up in, in the stratosphere where we talked about philosophy. Now I need them to come in and give me something specific. And what's the timeline, uh, Congressman? What, uh, when's your next uh, action on this? Sooner the better. Okay. I like people have asked me when would, when the, I'm going to have certain benchmarks done. And I've given them dates, and I haven't have been able to make those dates. So I'm no longer doing that. I'm saying soon and soon in the matter of weeks, as opposed to soon in the concept of months. 
Representative Rob Bishop um, is uh, one of the uh, authors of the, uh, or has initiated this process, the Public Lands Initiative, Utah Public Lands Initiative, and has been talking about it uh, with us on Utah Public Radio Access Utah today. Congressman, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to talk with Congressman uh, Jason Chaffetz. Later in the program, we'll have David uh, Garbett with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. And at the end of the program, we will have uh, tribal leaders from the uh, Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition. All along the way, we want your comments and questions on this important issue um, at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, or to 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Uh, we got this in just recently from Doug. He says, why is the PLI necessary when the state plans to spend $14 million in legal fees to obtain ownership of all public lands in Utah? Uh, Doug's uh, comment, thanks for that. And you'll hear uh, me ask uh, Congressman Chaffetz, in our interview coming up shortly. Uh, before we go to uh, that break, I'm joined by uh, UPR's Moab correspondent, uh, John Kovash. Um, I wonder just anything uh, that you heard from the congressman, anything new there? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the what's next issue uh, is interesting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of feeling that the that the time is running out for this thing because uh, uh, the chances don't seem really great that, the, I mean, we don't even have a final draft yet, and then it has to go through Congress. Uh, and uh, it's a tough, a lot of people are seeing that as a pretty tough road to hoe suddenly. Uh, uh, and uh, so it's... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how soon the next draft comes out and, you know, whether, but I don't think anyone's expecting it to be significantly different at this point. Um, let's uh, go to a break now. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll hear my conversation uh, I recorded recently with Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who's also involved with the PLI. And uh, then we will get to Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance and to uh, tribal leaders uh, representing the Bears Ears Intertribal uh, Coalition. And uh, I've got uh, several emails that we'll get in as well following uh, Congressman Chaffetz. Um, and we have with us through the hour our Moab correspondent, uh, John Kovash. You're welcome to comment or ask questions on this important topic. We're talking about the Public Lands Initiative and related issues like a uh, potential Bears Ears National Monument which would affect uh, many areas of Utah, specifically mostly eastern Utah. 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495 is the number uh, toll-free anywhere you're listening, and you can uh, get to us by email to upraxcess@gmail.com. More following the break. Remarkable Women is made possible with support from the Center for Women and Gender at Utah State University. If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. Harriet Tubman. Born a slave, Tubman fled north to freedom, later making 19 trips to the south as an underground railroad conductor, leading some 300 slaves to freedom. A nurse during the Civil War, she served the Union Army as a scout and a spy, and was active in the women's suffrage movement. 
Remarkable Women is made possible with support from the Center for Women and Gender at Utah State University, providing students another perspective of current societal issues. Information at womenandgender.usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams. I'm joined by our uh, UPR Moab correspondent, John Kovash, who's been doing extensive reporting on this. And uh, the this that I'm referring to is the Public Lands Initiative, Utah Public Lands Initiative, being proposed by Representatives Rob Bishop and Jason Chaffetz. Uh, as the Tribune put it, uh, they characterized their plan as a sweeping gesture of compromise. On the other side, environmental and tribal groups are declaring the proposal dead on arrival and a shameless giveaway to oil and gas interests. We want to know what you think. Uh, we're going to bring in the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance later in the program. Also, some tribal leaders will uh, join us. And uh, John Kovash, as I mentioned, uh, joins us through the hour. Um, looks like a big response on this. As you might have guessed, uh, we will very likely go over the top of the hour uh, with this. So you can get your question or comment in, but probably best to get it in early. And uh, that is what Lee in Monroe has done. Lee has uh, called us. Lee, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Well, you know, my comment is is that I, I got to support the guy who just talked a little bit ago, you know, the, this public land initiative. You've got public lands, and they're actually public lands. If they go to the state, they will no longer be public lands. They, the state can do whatever they want with that land, and it's not going to have the same access. And, and I really feel, I, I said it on a meeting here about a year ago, and they were talking about it, and it really comes down to the dollar. They want that gas and oil lease money, and they've just yeah. got the dollar signs rolling up in their eyes. And I don't think they're really looking at what's in the best interest of Utahns. I, I think that, you know, somebody's got this thing going, and they just want to go forward with it right or wrong. And uh, they're willing to spend millions rather than to take those same millions and focus it somewhere else to where it could actually do some good on public land. Because the other thing, if they take it over to the state, state doesn't have the resources, they don't have the money, they don't have the infrastructure to take these lands and do anybody any justice. And if they want to complain about the feds running their land, it really isn't about the feds running the land. It's, I, I really feel it's about the money. Uh, Lee, thanks. Thanks for your comment. Appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Bye. Uh, John, I don't know if you are you hearing uh, from I guess unscientifically what you're hearing in in the Moab area. Where where is public opinion running on on this? Oh, I think in Moab, it's. Uh, I think people are quite happy uh, to fall back on on Bears Ears. You know, there was a lot of support here for Greater Canyonlands, uh, and Bears Ears actually. Uh, stretches all the way to Moab, the proposed monument. So uh, it, it includes a big buffer for Canyonlands and, uh, and people like that. I've also been down in uh, San Juan County, and uh, as you can imagine, it's uh, quite the opposite. Uh, you know where the where the, where the monuments actually located. Uh, they they were pretty much shut out of the county process, uh, uh, and you know, considered outsiders uh, uh, because the tribal headquarters are across the border and uh, the state border, and uh, uh, all of those. There's a lot of evidence that uh, that the Utah Navajos were at least as supportive as is the rest of Utah. 
Uh, let's uh, go now to my uh, conversation. This was recorded uh, recently with uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who's also uh, involved in, in this uh, proposal, the Utah Public Lands Initiative. Here's, here's that conversation. Maybe a, a brief overview from your perspective of uh, what the Public Lands Initiative will do. We're trying to bring the, the various sides together to the table so that we can, we can ultimately get to a certain outcome. You know, the, the, the decades that I've lived in Utah, there always seem to be people fighting for more wilderness. Others want energy corridors. The outdoor recreationists uh, want to be able to access the lands. And you got residents who are tired of the fighting and want to have the, the disposition of the lands decided so they can get on with life. And, and ultimately, I think we can bring those sides together and come up with a reasonable solution. No one person is going to get everything they want, but let's put an end to it and, and uh, get on with life. So this is, uh, there's a lot of compromise here, um, and, you know, the putting out this, this I don't know what you call it, draft or, or proposed uh, bill, it's getting flack from environmentalists for, for one side. Um, do you think this is going to, to work, a compromise well, that will work from all sides? It's a draft discussion uh, paper. We've uh, literally more than two years, more than 1,200 meetings, um, we've heard from a lot. And, and now if you go to utahpli.com, we have a, a website. People can look at the maps. They can look at the discussion draft. We need in the next uh, couple of weeks to have uh, people's final thoughts uh, so we can digest that. We'll then probably have a public hearing in Washington, D.C. And, and hope to mark up a bill. And so, yeah, we have people... Um, uh, uh, suggesting this, that, or the other, but we're talking about millions of acres, uh, seven different counties. We've given great weight to what the counties want, and uh, we, that's been the avenue where we have this bottom-up, local type of approach, and uh, we've accomplished a lot with it, and um, we're optimistic we can get it done. What's the process going forward? Uh, the groups who perhaps are hopeful that they can get this changed more toward their direction, uh, are you taking comments? Do you, are you taking changes to this? Yeah, so if you go to utahpli.com, uh, the public can enter, uh, is, uh, make their comments online. Before we put out the discussion draft, we had, I think it was 65 uh, formal submissions for pr- various proposals. Um, and those groups, now that they're digesting what we've taken, uh, we've given some real good, some things that they like, some things they don't like, I'm sure, because you do have this tug of war on all sides. Um, but uh, we're going to hear those out, make the best decision we can, and try to, to build consensus. Seems like uh, opposition is coming more from one side. Energy producers are generally supporting it. Uh, some wilderness groups are calling this dead on arrival, you know, uh, opposing this from the get-go. Uh, it's been a mixed bag of both. Um, you'd be surprised how many of the environmental groups are whispering to us, this is great, but, you know, for, for some people we can't really say that. Uh, energy producers are also very frustrated. They want more. Um, I think the outdoor recreational community, again, um, likes and appreciates the certainty. Uh, there's no one group that can claim they got everything, and there's no one group that can com- complain that everything was pushed aside what they asked for. And so um, we, we've tried to find a, a balanced approach and, and uh, again, a great emphasis on the counties. Congressman, the, the, some of the tribes 
uh, pulled out um, or not supporting this, even though they they were participating in the process earlier on. What do you make of that? Uh, not true. Um, we have heard and listened uh, very closely, uh, particularly to the uh, a few different tribes. We had a, co- a, co- a couple coalitions that formed late. They then went out and told the public that they weren't listened to. That is absolutely, totally, patently false, given that I know firsthand because I did meet with them and I have heard them. Um, the one thing I guess people have to understand is um, there is a professional class of people whose income is derived by perpetual conflict. That is, if we actually resolve some of these issues, their paycheck goes away. And those people in particular have been the most adamant in saying, oh, no, we got to keep fighting. We don't want a resolution. Um, and, and, and so the motivation for a paycheck to keep coming in uh, really does bother me, but it's to be expected. Desiree News editorial board had an interesting um editorial they're generally saying that we need to not satisfied right now but need to continue working on this they're they're praising you and congressman bishop for for jumping in here um they're they're doubtful in its current form this could pass the senate what do you think uh you know mike lee is the the senate sponsor um we did not expect when we put out the discussion draft that that was the final draft we knew that there'd be additional comments and, and nuances. Again, when you're talking about seven, seven uh, counties and millions of acres and lines being drawn, um, I, 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 we understood that there would be uh, further alterations and, and discussions. But this is so much better than a president introducing a national monument. So let's pretend you're on the environmental side of the equation. The president can unilaterally do a monument, but we'll still have the conflict. We will not have resolved things, and there are multiple things that we do in this bill that the president unilaterally using the Antiquities Act would never be able to do. Uh, the continuity with Desolation Canyon and Labyrinth Canyon. There's other things that we we do that are really good for the country, for the state, for the counties, for the recreational community, for energy developers, and for the environmentalists that that are accomplished here be the second largest, I believe, in the lower 48, second largest wilderness bill in the history of our country. I mean, there's there's a lot to like here. And uh, so we are doing the right thing. Uh, we haven't got to the finish line yet. We want people to go to utahpli.com and, and offer their comments. Do you think a failure of this bill would, would result in a higher probability of uh, President Obama uh, declaring a national monument? Probably. And it would be a real shame if it did, because I think it would set uh, the movement back to to develop a long-term solution um, for many, many years. And environmentalists may say, oh, that would be a great victory, but they're going to hate. They're absolutely going to hate what's going to happen with energy development. Um, it's going to sell our school kids short, because, you know, in this land we have some, in this bill, we have some 300-plus thousand acres of consolidation of Sitla lands. And... And the counties would be upset. I don't know of any county that would be supportive uh, of this plan. And the Indian tribes, I think, would be the most irate of all. There are some people that say that they want one, but there was just a huge protest down in, in Window Rock uh, complaining that a monument has been one of the worst disasters for the, uh, 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 for the uh, Native American community. The, the Navajos are fighting in Canyon de Chez and other places right now. 
it would preclude them from doing some things that they've been able to do for generations. Uh, there's some real problems uh, with the monument that I think ultimately the majority of the people be very, very upset by. As this bill gets debated, goes forward, uh, how would you advise Utah legislature proceed with the lawsuit against the federal government on public lands? I, I, I'm in favor of a dual track. Um, what they decide with the governor in moving forward with that suit, which I happen to actually personally support, is a different track. Uh, whether or not we have success or not success with the Utah PLI uh, is a different set. We're trying to deal with it, you know, in the here and now. Uh, that lawsuit is more of a 10-year plan, um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we're going to continue with our, our PLI process, and I would encourage the legislature and the governor to move forward with the other track. Would a, a compromise, as, as you're presenting this as uh, your bill, um, Representative uh, Bishop's bill, and you're, you're on board with it, and uh, like, uh, Representative Stewart, would this and the principles behind it help diffuse the sort of angst that we saw underlying uh, the Oregon standoff? I do. I, I Again, is certainty is one of the pillars or one of the goals that we're trying to achieve. If you're a fifth-generation Utah and you've been out uh, allowed to have your cattle grazing in certain areas and your livelihoods dependent upon that, the idea that a president would unilaterally come in and just change the rules with no public input, I mean, that's devastating to people. People get mad and irate. You know, it's not just something that, you know, people in Salt Lake, uh, you know, hear about on the radio or read about in the newspaper. This is their livelihood. This is how they've been able to sustain their families. They love the land. And uh, we've we got to take care of those people and, and, and hear them out. They, they live down there. And we Utahns, we care about our land. It's beautiful. That's why we live here. And, um, you know, that's the goal. Try to get some certainty, avoid the frustration and the outright, um, how they outrightly just despise the federal government. Let, let's just come to, let's get the blood pressure down, come to some resolution and, and uh, figure out, you know, what else we can do to make this state run better and, and uh, how we can enjoy our land. Do you anticipate significant changes to the bill before it uh, before it proceeds? I don't think there'll be major overhauls. I think there's, you know, certain nooks and crannies that we we better pay attention to. And I I, I don't want to I don't want to discount anything. There's parts of the bill you'll see that are blank. Uh, been working with the Obama administration, the Department of Interior, to they've asked us to hold back on certain things so they could provide some input. I take that as a very good sign. Um, that we're we're moving forward, and and uh, so we're not, you know, so we're at the finish line. We're 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 not at the finish line, but this is certainly a big big step forward. Mm-hmm. And again, what's the timeline? What do you? Uh, how long for comments? Uh, and and then when do you proceed? Uh, middle of the month, middle of February, we expect to have the outside comments in, uh, and then Rob Bishop from there will will likely schedule a public hearing. Um, but I don't have the date of that yet. Okay. And then how can people comment again? Go, again, go to utahpli.com. The PLI stands for Public Lands. utahpli.com. Uh, look at the maps, look at the text, and uh, offer your comments online. We, we do welcome them. Congressman Jason Chaffetz has joined us. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Of course, uh, Congressman Chaffetz, uh, a conversation recorded uh, recently with him. We heard earlier in the program from uh, Congressman Rob Bishop, 
they are jointly proposing the Utah Public Lands Initiative. By the way, you can comment directly to the congressman at that website, utahpli.com, and we've got that on our website at this point. We have with us for the hour John Kovash, our UPR Moab correspondent. Later, we'll, uh, very soon, we'll be bringing in a representative from Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, and we'll be talking with tribal leaders later in the program. Uh, John Kovash, one thing that stood out to me, uh, listening to that interview again that I, I did recently, um, Congressman, I, I perceived this from uh, Congressman Bishop as well, some frustration with, uh, he didn't call them conservation groups, he called a professional class that has you know, no incentive to, to compromise. There's frustration. Right. Uh, that, uh, I was struck by that because I recently talked to, to Mark Maryboy, who's a very uh, well-regarded uh, and very activist member of the Navajo community down, uh, down there in San Juan County, and he is one of the, uh, the lead consultants uh, that works for the Tribal Coalition, uh, and I'm sure there's some other staff, too, and so... Uh, the reference to this is all uh, being caused by uh, people getting a paycheck to cause trouble kind of thing. Uh, I was picturing it being uh, hurled straight at Mark, uh, and who's, uh, who was the, uh, let me add, was the very first Native American ever to serve public office in the state of Utah. It took until the 1980s for that to happen. Uh, so he's a very historical figure, too. Uh, and uh, very, uh, you know, we'll get more when we talk to the Bears Ears folks. Uh, uh, I'd be curious uh, of their reaction to that that characterization because uh, there's quite a history, you know, of organizing and uh, among a lot of a lot of uh, tribes uh, that went on has gone on for years. Uh, I don't know if it can be ascribed to a couple of. Uh, you know, uh, paid activists or anything. Uh, and uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, get to uh, David Garbutt, who is a staff attorney with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. And following that, we'll talk with the tribal leaders from the Bears Ears uh, Intertribal Coalition. And uh, if you're looking at the clock and you're you're seeing that uh, I'm giving the congressman a disparate time, uh, be assured we will be going past the top of the hour. We'll give equal time to everyone, including you. We hope that you will comment. We have uh, emails continuing to come in. We'll get to those as well. Uh, and you can call us at 1-800-826-1495 uh, or email us to upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, John Kovas, just checking. Are you able to stay with us top, past top of the hour? I'll be here. Okay, great. Uh, John Kovash there, our uh, UPR Moab correspondent. We're talking about the Utah Public Lands Initiative and related topics. Uh, more following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Devour Utah, a bi-monthly magazine devoted to covering Utah's dining and drink scene with a spotlight on cooking, local happenings, and libations. Available at newsstands or online at devourutah.com and the Kemmer Lions Club 32nd Annual Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Viva Naughton, 16 miles north of Kemmer, Wyoming, on Highway 233. 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, February 13th and 14th. Registration and details available at KemmerLionsClub.org or 307-723-7226.
renewable energy is gaining momentum across the country. But what are your options? You've read about windmills, you've heard about solar panels, but how do you take the next step? Utah Public Radio wants to hear from you. For example, with a small family living in a little outdated apartment in rural Utah, how can you convert to clean energy? Visit upr.org backslash upin, become a source with the Utah Public Insight Network, and submit your questions about renewable energy to UPR. And tell us, what do you want to know?